0: Welcome to another Season 5 episode of Hashtag Prepped. I'm your host, Naka, and in today's episode, we're going to discuss a critical component of the application process, college recommendation letters. As you may know, many colleges and universities require letters of recommendation from your teachers as part of your application, especially when applying to a test-optional school. These letters can be an essential part of your application, providing insights into your academic achievements, character, and potential. However, many students find it challenging to approach their teachers and ask for a recommendation. Because of COVID, some of these students have gone from socially distant to acting a little socially awkward. So that's why we have today's episode and today's guest to help make that whole process easier for both the student and the teacher. But before we introduce today's guest, make sure to five-star us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and make sure to check us out at preppedpodcast.com and ttprep.com for a free course preview. Also, don't hesitate to call us to chat with me or any of our directors at 516-626-6100. We're here to help. Now, while we've had many notable guests on the show, none come close to how important today's guest is to me. She was voted most popular teacher for over 20 years at Garden City High School, and she was also my junior year English teacher. Mrs. Nancy Fleming, welcome to the show. Thank you for taking time out of your day to come help an old student help his students.
1: Thanks, Andrew. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to see you.
0: Yeah, now, as the most popular teacher in Garden City, before your retirement, you by default also Must have been the most requested teacher for college recommendation letters. And from what I remember from my high school days and from what I heard from fellow classmates, you had a reputation for writing tremendously valuable recommendations. How many do you think you've written? And what's the value of a recommendation letter to colleges?
1: Um, Well, if I go back, let's say I've taught for 24 years. I've averaged about 30 to 35 letters a year. So since I'm an English teacher and you were the math guy, you could do the math.
0: Let's say seven hundred and something. Let's round that up to like a thousand. I
1: could have uh, done essence, the thousands. Yeah. I thought you were gonna be more specific. Oh no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and when it comes to the, the letters themselves, what would you say the colleges find the value in those?
1: I think now that a lot more colleges have become test optional, um which I is a mistake. Personally, they are relying more and more on the college letters um, and uh, the essays as well in order to find out the, student, the candidate's personality um, to find out. Um, they already have your test scores. They already have your um, list of activities. But they t- want to know who the person is who is coming to the school. Who are they? What they can contribute and what their goals are. And I think a teacher who knows the student well is able to then point them in that direction and give them a boost. And I think that's why the letters have become more important over time.
0: Yeah, Uh, What I like to say about these recommendation letters, you know, you have your grades, you have your accolades and everything. But what colleges are looking for, is,
1: are you a good person?
0: And the one thing, because when you apply, you're promoting yourself. What you have from a a college recommendation letter is someone evaluating you objectively. Now, I unfortunately did not get the opportunity to ask you for a recommendation because I, like many students, love to procrastinate and wait until it was too late. Uh, but you did help me with my epic college essay, so thank you for that. And I can't wait to have you back on the uh, podcast to help us with some college essay tips. But to avoid my critical mistake of missing a tremendous opportunity of having a great teacher write a great recommendation, when is the best time to ask your teachers?
1: I think everyone has to start thinking about a junior year, I mean, um, before school is out. It's tough when you come back as a senior, and then all of a sudden now you start to think about college recommendations. I think literally by January, when you first start senior colleges of your junior year, you should start thinking about it. And I think basically by March or April, you should have it wrapped up of what teacher you want to ask. And the reason being is you want them to know. Also, when you ask early, you obviously get on the list, unlike you, Andrew, who asked to- <laughs> <laughs> well, I was already overloaded even though I would have liked to have written your college recommendation. So I think the earlier you ask is important because then it not only makes you feel like you're in control of the college process, a thing which a lot of times you don't feel like you're in tro- control Absolutely. when you're a kid, and uh, it will help you and just kind of, you know, cement your standing. One more thing off the checklist. And do you have any tips
0: on how students can choose which are the best teachers to ask for reference letters?
1: There's a Couple of ways. First of all, I always recommend, and my counseling center had always recommended that you uh, ask a teacher, basically, who knows your strengths. Now, that could come in two different areas. The first one is, let's say, uh, for instance, that you're a, uh, you know, you're a math kid. You want to pursue engineering or some, or something like that and you want to obviously have that somebody like that in your corner they could attest to how you're a great problem solver etc cetera, etc cetera. but on the other hand too in order to form more of the character english teachers i think are always the best and forgive me for any english teachers who are out there because i know you already have slews of recommendations to write but the english teacher and the because of the content of discussion in english classes it's uh, i think a lot more wide-ranging and personal than other subjects and I, we have an opportunity to learn uh, to know more about how the kid thinks, not only critically, um, but in terms of society and in terms of, obviously, their ability to write and to be on a college level.
0: Yeah, And to echo a little bit what we were talking about before the episode, English teachers, they, they write fantastic recommendation letters. And back in the day, you had that reputation of having very strong recommendation letters. But that's all I really knew there. I asked a little bit late, but if that's the only reason why you're asking your teacher and you don't actually have that relationship, you're kind of shooting in the dark instead of, giving the teacher the most or the best information to write the best recommendation for you.
1: And if I could piggyback on that, the other thing is that you want a teacher who knows you. You know, I have had many, many students who just rarely participate in class, no matter how many times I've asked them, no matter how how comfortable, excuse me, um, I've made them in the classroom in terms of small discussion groups or elsewhere. And it was always like pulling teeth to get them to speak. And those are the kids who really have a hard time developing relationship with a teacher so come out of your comfort zone um i think that's a big thing especially after COVID. in order to you don't have to again be best friends with your teacher but have the teacher know you again i always made it you know worth their while to participate in class and uh, i think that's important but as you said i think a relationship of some sort inside the classroom outside of the classroom even in the hallways too
0: And I very much like what you said about it doesn't have to be a junior year teacher. It has to be a teacher who you you are comfortable with and who knows you and your strengths. So Nancy, what can students do to help prepare their teachers to write the best recommendations because you have dozens of students approaching you every year. You're not memorizing a dossier on every student out there. So what can they do to help prepare their teachers to write the best?
1: I actually provide my students with a cheat sheet, and it's just a list of bullets that has developed over time uh, when I'm writing a recommendation. Now, first of all, I taught 150 students or more each year. That's a lot of kids. And while I pride myself on always getting to know them personally and individually as well, it's another thing when you next year starts and you're trying to write their college recommendations and now you have another 150 kids. So you have 300 kids in all different, you know, uh, who may have 15 KVs or, you know, 19 Andrews. But what I ask them is for, I give them a cheat sheet. And the cheat sheet is uh, a couple of things. So the first thing on it is a transcript um, at the end of their junior year. So I ask for the information to leave over the summer in my mailbox. And it's this checklist for the kids to do. And so the first thing, as I said, is the full year transcript from their junior year, including what courses are going to take take their um, senior year as well. SAT or ACT scores, and this is particularly important, especially when it comes to the English side. So I can take a look at how they performed and if they actually remembered all of the things that I taught them in my grammar units. Then the third thing is the activity sheet, including anything, uh, any clubs that perhaps or organizations that I wouldn't know about to give me a little bit of background on that. What is this do of course it shows leadership there's leadership in the classroom but there's leadership also outside of the classroom and i have uh, quite a number of kids who don't who aren't leaders in the classroom but i know outside uh, the classroom in sports or in clubs or whatever they are and i want to make sure i'm able to include that so the activity sheets gives them an opportunity to do that and then the thing that i um it's funny because how I perceive kids and how kids perceive themselves. And excuse me when I'm saying kids, of course, I mean students, um, but I'm a lot older than you are, Andrew, so I'm referring to you as a kid as well. You're included here. So I asked for their th- what they consider to be their three greatest strengths. Now, they could be academic and it could be personal, and hopefully a mix of both. So, determined is a great word. I don't want everyone to use it, but I'm just using that for an example. Uh, determined. You know, I was always horrible at English. Um, you know, I was in a regents class and uh i heard about you i wanted you to be my teacher or i wanted to get into you know into a uh an honors class and so i worked really hard in order to do that or another thing would be that I'm resilient, you know, I've, I've had these kind of problems in my life, and I've been able to overcome them, and I don't take no for an answer. So those kind of things in order to describe oneself. Another word, people, some kids say, who don't even say a peep in the classroom, they'll say they're the leader, you know, so I know I can't use that, because I know they're not a leader. So it is something that kind of is more representative of you and your work ethic, both personally, and then of course, character wise, as you had mentioned before.
0: So Nancy, that's a fantastic checklist. We're actually going to put this on the show notes so that students can have access to this so that you can use this kind of as your own checklist as you uh, reach out to your teachers for the recommendations. Now, the whole college process is kind of a family process. So what would you say parents could do to help kind of support this teacher recommendation uh, scenario?
1: The first thing I suggest Parents is not to hijack the whole situation. A lot of parents, you know, uh, unfortunately want a bumper sticker on their car. They do want their kids to their stu- their child to be happy, but they also kind of. I guess, lean on them to select a perfect school. And there's no such thing as a perfect school. Although I, what I will say is that from my experience, every single kid, whether they got into their top school, their middle school, or their bottom school, they always find a home. And I think that's worth remembering, especially as college application processes have become uh, so tough. I mean, the acceptance rates by some of these colleges are just minuscule. And kids who actually have, you know, the transcript and everything else to go along with it and are not getting in, it's very personally frustrating for them. So parents, what they could do is support them, be their cheerleader. But again, let them move at their own speed. Keep them on target in terms of time schedule. Give them the opportunity to visit schools with you. I know that's a lot of investment, you know, right. on the parents. But still I think that makes for a a candidate who is excited about going to college versus exciting to going to that one school because there's more than one school to meet students' needs.
0: Absolutely. And one of the biggest points I think we've ever made on this podcast, I think it was on our starting your college search. While it is too easy to be like, Oh, I have this dream school, it's better to have like a dream list. You need to have At least two or three schools that you are tremendously happy at that you will – and remember, the whole point of college is you want to thrive, not just survive. You don't want to be fighting to get into these super competitive schools, and then you're struggling, and then that's your college experience. So – You want to thrive, not survive.
1: That's that's my. As that just brought up another point too. Um, for my own one of my own daughters as well. Uh, it's interesting that I thought both of them would go to kind of these uh, colleges with these bucolic settings, and they both wound up at city schools. And uh, yeah, and I was just shocked, you know, to do that. And my youngest did definitely did not want to go. But once we saw the college that she eventually went to, she just absolutely adored it, and she loved it. And interestingly enough, has worked in two different cities in the past five years.
0: Yeah, and, and when it comes to picking your college, and now I feel like we're stepping away from it, it's the environment's completely, We was just ch- chatting with a few students who want to go to Study business, it's like you can go to Wharton, wherever, or you know you can go to NYU Stern that has a fantastic business where One of it is, I think it's increase in its ranking, but it's also on Wall Street where you can network and be on the floor where all the action happens. Yeah. So once the reference letters are written, how can students kind of follow up with their teachers? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, Without harassing sorry. them? Without harassing no, I mean, them? That's <laughs> exactly what I think. You know. <laughs> um, I, I think it was this uh past year that this uh this past year that someone had literally um texted me three days uh before it was due, and she had asked me a week before and because I was retired, I had the time and I love this girl and I agreed to do it and literally she writes me like three days before and she says oh Mrs. Fleming in the email Mrs. Fleming do you have you know my do you have my uh, college reference letter yet and recommendation letter and she's like all huffy and puffy you could tell through the uh. email and I told her I said I've been doing this for 24 years I have never missed one deadline ever but thank you yes it will be done <laughs> and of course it was and turns out she did get into her dream school so that was nice. She deserved it.
0: Yeah, and, and you know, with all this work that the teachers put in, right? You know, the students, they put in all this work four years to high school, getting into these schools. But uh, how can students express gratitude to their teachers after receiving like reference letters?
1: Honestly, an in-person thank you is great. And a, you know, a card is great. Um, you don't need to give anyone gifts. Um, some people do, we'll give you a gift card or whatever. I am the queen of Starbucks cards. I think my in my school, everyone gave me Starbucks. Yeah,
0: so make sure to thank your teachers, especially since they put in hours of their time outside of school to be writing me these letters. One of my favorite stories was I had a student who got a perfect score several years ago, and I didn't find out about it until I read it in the newspaper. And it's like, local student gets perfect score. I was like, I wonder who's... Son of a gun! Ugh. So so it's... let us know, especially like where you go to school and stuff, because sometimes you guys just fall off. <laughs> no, I agree. So, Nancy... To kind of wind down this episode, probably the most important part is what goes into these reference letters? What makes them strong? What makes them very effective? What makes them convincing?
1: Well, my blood, sweat, and tears, Andrew. That's what they're <laughs> saying <show>. to I'm no <laughs> longer really kidding. It's a... Adult perspective of a student to see how well they will perform in college. That's what the admissions committees are looking at. They're looking to see if this person has not only the intellectual ability, you know, to thrive in their classes and to keep improving. You know, there are kids who kind of level out even within the year. Uh, my favorite students are the ones who keep increasing. They're, you know, they could obviously do great for a semester, or do horrible the second, and then try again the third. It's the kids who just, you know, start off well and then go downhill. What you want and what their college is looking for is that somebody who will, of course, you know, continue to thrive and continue to embrace learning. So they're looking in these letters to see somebody who is academically rigorous. So that's the first thing. The other thing they're looking for is a personality, somebody who could speak out. Uh, Years ago, I had a student, oh, my God, 20 years ago. I remember it distinctly. I was teaching an ethics class. And uh, I did a story on a newspaper article on a very wealthy corporate, I mean, extremely wealthy corporate guy uh, who was divorcing his wife of 30 years to marry his, the old trope to marry his secretary or whatever, who was 20, 30 years younger. And uh, it was supposed to be an amicable divorce, and uh, it would have been until the husband was absolutely blindsided by his wife asking for half of his fortune and we discussed this in class and after an entire uh almost an entire class discussion you know 40 minutes uh, everybody in the class except for one person had said you know well he earned the money he deserves it it shouldn't be split 50 50. that's nonsense it's ridiculous until one of my students uh spoke up and she says you're out of your mind she deserves 50 50. she's the one who went and traveled with him on all of these you know different locations and raised the kids and sent them to school and not only that hosted all of his colleagues for dinner who also kind of helped him maneuver through the the country club and everything else all the things she had done blah, blah 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 but she was the lone standout and she would not back down well, you can know all those, the, the you know, the year or two years later when I wrote her college recommendation, I wrote about that and how important it is to stand up for your beliefs and not to back down. Again, obviously, to be open-minded, and she was, she was very articulate and not mean at all, but just to be able to say, be able to back up what you think. And that's another thing, too. I give examples in my, in my um, letters about critical thinking skills. So one of the things that I ask uh, my students that I forgot to mention that's on the list is give me. A memory from class. I, you know, obviously teach so many kids. So in terms of that memory, it could be something where they stood out, and I was like, oh yeah, I remember that. I forgot who said it. I remember what happened, and uh, I think that's important too to show you know how you relate in class. Another example, during uh, COVID, I had a lot of students, we were online for three months. Um, We were in person every other day. But then you would have those classes online. The kids didn't even have to turn on their cameras, which I found. Fun times.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Students who are not turning (laughs) on their cameras at our online classes.
1: Exactly. (laughs) I think that kind of sped (laughs) me towards my retirement, however. And I remember very particularly one girl who I wrote um, her recommendation last year, uh, who was always on who I would ask a question and she would respond. And I think that's important. You have to be engaged. And so be engaged in your classes. You know, again, you don't have to, you know, um, schmooze your teachers or anything like that. But just be present. um, uh, Show your intellectual curiosity. And those are the kids like that are the ones who get the best recommendations.
0: Being active in that teacher's class, especially if you're a junior and you just have, you're lucky enough to have that teacher that you're writing that recommendation for, be extra active.
1: Absolutely, I still have students to this day, you know, who. Well, I, now that I'm retired, who will shoot me an email One just um, uh, wrote me about I think it's a movie or a miniseries for All the Light We Cannot See that's coming out and she's like, oh, Mrs. Fleming, I thought of you or someone years later, you know, who said oh, I can't believe that I never read in your class, which obviously mm. upset me very much, um, but now that I am a stockbroker on Wall Street and I commute to work um, yeah, and I, these are the last 17 books that i read and maybe a list I had heard from in 12 years, it was very cute (laughs) oh that's
0: amazing all right so everybody remember reference letters are an important part of your application process so take time to choose your teachers carefully and ask them in a way that optimizes your chance of getting a positive response now nancy i like to kind of wrap up every episode with what i call the hashtag prep pro tip kind of an all-encompassing piece of advice for students to kind of send them on their merry way any uh prep pro tip that you'd have
1: uh, yeah, get excited. You're going to to an amazing opportunity when you go to college. But don't overthink it. There's a college that's great for everyone. And uh, just make sure that you take the right steps in order to get the one that you like the best.
0: Yes. Uh, college is what you make of it. That's what I always tell the students. If you stay in your dorm room all day, that's your college experience. If you go out, get active, get involved, that's going to be a totally different college experience. So make the most out of it. I'm thrilled to have done this episode with you, Nancy. Thank you again for taking time out of your retirement to help guide our students. <laughs> uh, if anyone wants to reach out to you for advice or even college essay help, how can they reach out to you?
1: Oh, you could email me at Mrs. M-R-S Nancy Fleming, F-L-E-M-I-N-G, at Gmail. So Mrs. Nancy Fleming at Gmail.
0: Okay, perfect. And I'm going to put out her email and that wonderful cheat sheet that she developed all those years ago in the show notes to help out all of our students. Well, let's call it a wrap on this episode, which was truly one of the most exciting for me, and I'm even more excited to have Nancy back later on this uh, season for that College Essay Tips episode. Thanks for listening. Sitting across from me, we have the most popular Garden City High School teacher. Only you say that, Andrew. No, (laughs) it is true. Uh, This is Nancy Fleming. My name is Naka, Andrew Naka, Naniakara, for those who are confused during this episode. And this has been another episode of Hashtag Prepped.